0: hello grace and peace we're taking anarchy to church here in the anarchist bible study i'm josh
1: aka iowan cap and i'm jeff park aka the sultan of soul yes
0: and also i'm aka as pointing in the wrong direction uh Uh, there we go now we're like right now we're recording i could just (laughs) now we're left i could (laughs) i could just pretend that never happened and re-record it but that's not honest and we're honest here
1: uh (laughs) and And Josh always keeps his clubs at the beginning when he can. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Since most of his clubs involve not recording.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's usually it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so, uh, we are finally picking up again on the, uh, the Bob Murphy show though. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just, it's, it took, took a while and we knew it would because summers get a little crazy. Um, and bonus episodes are bonus episodes, so we don't always get to them.
1: Um, it's literally in the name. They're a bonus. <laughs> Be grateful.
0: <laughs> yeah, and because we're, you know, usually just recording like mad like a bunch of crazy persons, uh, we don't usually have a bonus. But we don't this week. We do this week. Haven't for a while. But um we were gonna get back to um responding to a couple episodes of the Bob Murphy show the first one we responded to last time it was episode I'm uh correct hold on I forgot I should have wrote it down um <laughs> it uh, was seven oh I don't remember it was one oh seven point five so one oh seven point five was the last one that we were we responded to um and uh we, it was there that we found out that, um, uh, in fact, one of the people responding to heard the show. And, um, so I don't know if, uh, if, uh, Mr. Lawrence Ludlow is going to be listening to this episode again, uh, as well as the last one. But, um, uh, he understandably, um, had some things to say since we were criticizing him um although to be fair we hadn't gotten for far into it um although also to be fair to him we hadn't gotten far into it uh and also i want to say
1: i want to say i appreciated that he could like based on what we did say because we talked so much about how we love bob murphy Um, And then goes, and why did, we kind of went, and why did he bring on this silly Catholic? Or something like, you did say that you have some respect for Lawrence Lebow. I don't want to be, I don't want to be, I don't want to be too, uh, um, but, um, uh, but he definitely, I re-listened to it, and he definitely could have taken it a lot more personally than he did. He did stay, he did stay focused on the issues. In, in his uh, oh yeah sorry he commented on the YouTube video in case we yes. didn't say that <laughs> and he did stay focused on on uh, the issues which um which uh, is very much to his credit um, because he definitely he definitely could have chosen to take some of what we were saying personally um, it wasn't obviously intended that way um, but it's, it's certainly to his credit that he's, uh, stuck to the issues. Yep. Um,
0: but did you want to go ahead and read it? No, no, I don't, I don't think we need to read it. Um, okay. because I think one of the things he's commenting on is things that he will get into later in the episode and, um, and we yep. just haven't gotten to it. And so this is where I remind uh, everyone and, um, uh, Larry and Bob, if they decide to listen to it, um, these are reaction episodes. Yeah,
1: Bob and Larry. Oh, yeah yeah not not designed by phil fisher so don't worry not no so better than that um but we the the bible would have been handled a lot worse if it were
0: (laughs) yes um but we you know we we are uh we are serious in the content we're not serious about ourselves uh and so we do get a little bit silly on the show and and um Probably would have been less. So if I ever imagined that Bob or Larry would have heard that episode. Um, but, but I want to remind, you know, everyone, this is, this is the way we do things is we, we just respond. Um, I'm, I have not listened to this ahead of time. Uh, Jeff has, and I am just trying to respond to what I'm hearing as it comes out. And, and I'm, um, to be fair that that means that sometimes yeah but but like sometimes yeah I will respond to something and say well later on how are they going to explain this and uh I have in the past you know we've gone we've gone in one direction where we set where I started disagreeing and then ended up being like I think I agree um the example being um with uh our London Lyceum episodes where I ex- I expected to disagree with one expected to disagree with one of the uh speakers and then ended up coming around and agreeing with them and then uh actually then uh, came back around in the other direction and started disagreeing with them when they came to the next thing and so right. uh you know we we were going to hear it out um but but yeah it does mean that we're not taking the whole argument as a whole we're not taking the whole argument and responding to that we are just responding we're just reacting um and that means if i hear something that just sounds not right uh i'm probably i'm probably gonna jump on it even if that means i'm responding prematurely and and part and part of that is entertainment value we're trying to also make a podcast that people will enjoy this isn't just an intellectual academic podcast we're not trying to especially the bonuses yeah, especially the bonuses. We're trying to create something that people are going to enjoy, and part of uh, what I've heard from you, our audience, is that you enjoy the IO and Cap freakouts, and so Correct. I'll let him. I'll let him fly when uh, it's appropriate. Um, but I want. But I also want him to him to know that we are taking seriously his argument, even though we're trying to do it in an entertainment a little entertaining way. We are taking seriously his argument, and if uh if we find that we're wrong. Or if I find that I misjudged, then I will be the first one to, to admit it, but I'm also not going to change my opinion of things just because someone who I respect is giving that opinion and certainly not because the person I respect is listening. Like I, I have to be honest and I have to be, uh, because I, because I, I owe a greater debt to my savior than I do to my heroes. Um, my economic and political heroes. And, and so and yeah to the scriptures and to the scriptures
1: yes to the scriptures and to to helping regular people who have not had the benefit of the kind of training that we have mm-hmm. be able to read them and have confidence in them yes and depending on how far we get that might you might come to understand a bit more what I mean by that, but, um, but, but anyway, I just want to. So, so we don't have to read the comment, but I do want to just say that he makes a claim in his comment. There was no preference for Latin expressed during Bob's podcast. Instead, it was a discussion about how study of word choices made by early expert translators into Syriac and Latin, May help us triangulate on the original interpretation of the Koine Greek as understood at the time, especially since famous translators such as Jerome had access to high-quality texts from the third century and possibly even older. Um, and I'll, I'll I'll cut it off there. But so so that's I I just I just wanted to read that. That's the claim that, and the re- the the rest of it I think we're going to get to, but um that's the claim he's making as to why he says we assumed too much in our first episode um that we that we assumed there was some sort of preference for latin or that the the latin interpretation was color their latin translation was coloring too much of the interpretation um and so i just as the person who has listened to this episode, I want to let that claim hang out there. Um, and people keep it in mind as we listen. to more this week. Okay. Um, and we're probably not finishing this week. And by the way, we didn't, we didn't pregame this very much at all, but I, I basically knew that that's because I know you, I basically knew that was going to be your take <laughs> that, that, uh, um, uh, what, what you just said. And, uh, And yeah, I, I don't think we're going to finish, um, this week, but we did think it was important to keep working on it Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll at least get a little further this week.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, but yeah, I do want to, I do want to say though, that because, because we are a small podcast, we do not expect the people we're talking to, to, uh, to hear us. And so this is where I think you, the audience, um, you know we always say we like to hear from you and and we really mean it um if if you think that at any point we are being unfair to a perspective we want to know like i i want to know if you think i'm being unfair um i i was just reading uh a book where i was reading um i was actually i was actually reading frames um uh apologetics book which i'm reading along with uh cave to the cross uh apologetics and um you know, great podcast. I hear someone great is going to be on their show pretty soon. Um, and, uh, I, I I remember reading it and, and reading and being like, Oh, frame, that wasn't a really, that wasn't a really fair response. And, Hmm. and so I was like, you know, and, and there's no way for me to get to him, but this is a small podcast. Um, and I don't, and I assume that frame was not doing it on act on purpose because I know that John frame is not a, an unfair debater. And if someone had pointed out to him that he, they thought he was being unfair, he would have changed his approach. So but I know being a small podcast, if you feel we are being unfair in our critique of someone, please let us know. Um, whether it be um the fastest way to, to talk to us would be going to our secret Discord, which you can get into by going to buy me a coffee.com slash flyover and donating one dollar a month. I gotta plug. Even when I'm apologizing, I'm plugging. This is this is the hustle, uh, and or or you can go to the comment section if you're watching on the video, or send us an email at anarchistbiblestudy at gmail dot com. Uh, it's it's we want to hear. We want to hear from you. We want to know if if we're ever saying something that's unfair. We don't want to be unfair. Um, and and uh, yeah. And so please let us know. Um just because the people we're talking to aren't gonna hear from us doesn't mean we we don't we wanna engage in bad argumentation. Um Yeah.
1: yeah. And and I wanna say like I appreciate first of all, it's it's incredible that Lawrence Ledlow cares that we <laughs> are covering the show, frankly. Um and i i appreciate that he reached out um and and made a comment and told us where he th- thinks we went wrong uh like we're still going to have our differences on this text but i i very much appreciate his approach there mm
0: mm-hmm. yeah so we're going to now dig into uh more of the episode we're picking up at um 544 which is where we left off last time because we listened to the end of 267 and started 277 um though i want i'm debating even bringing this up no let's not let's just move in um so let's so we're gonna go into 277 Lawrence Ludlow on Romans 13 being spiritual, not political. This is uh, the the title of the episode. Uh, Once again, I'll read the description. Lawrence Ludlow has an MA in medieval studies and gives Bob numerous lines of evidence to suggest that Paul in Romans 13 is referring to spiritual authorities rather than political ones. In this interpretation, there's no tension between the new Testament and standard libertarianism. So this is his case. We're going to hear it out. Try and be fair to it. Um, calls out of we also not.
1: we should state we agree with that last sentence there yes. is no <laughs> there is no tension between the New Testament and standard libertarianism or even anarchism um yep. but um
0: I'm, I actually might quibble with the word standard
1: well okay but <laughs> yeah <yes>. well <laughs> right so much of libertarianism is not Christian yes so yes yeah that's fair
0: <laughs> but uh yes let's let's give it a let's give it a shot
2: or Caesar Caesar's God or something like that, or go kill somebody who's innocent.
0: Once, a remi- once again, a reminder, we're listening to it at two times speed. Uh, we might duck it back if it gets to be out of control. Um, but that means if you are listening to authorial intent at two times speed, you'll be hearing at four times speed. So just that's, that's also why I give you the timestamps so that you can, uh, you can, you can look, look at that listen,
1: listen for yourself. Yeah.
2: Yep. I think, Well, other than that, do what they say. So it's pretty, standard interpretation from him. So with that preamble now, how do you want to proceed on this? Because I think a lot of thoughts on Romans 13.
3: Yeah, I happen to have read Gerard Casey's book, Freedom's Progress, a history of political thought. One of my reading groups had been reading Casey. And I've also been, for years, been studying a little bit of Jacques Ellul. He's a theologian who has written on Christian anarchy at times, and readers might be interested in looking into some of his works. But this came up again when you had a podcast on explaining free markets to Christians. And so in some of the notes, I posted some of what Casey said and what came out of my reading group. And I also have a background from the Pontifical Institute for Medieval Studies in Toronto, where I studied as a historian. And at the time, I passed my PhD Latin test there during my master's year. So I'm not unfamiliar with how to use some of these ancient languages, even though I don't have formal Greek training. But I do know that both of those languages have great similarities. The Koine Greek in the Bible is very simple. And so is the Latin translation of Jerome. And I'll get into why I triangulate on Latin later. But first, I should mention what Gerard Casey brought up. He pointed out in his book in the chapters where he addresses early Christianity, he points out that there's always been a problem with rulership in the Bible. Even from the time of Samuel, if people remember in the first book of Samuel, chapter eight, verse six, the Israelis asked for a king. And this is one of the most famous passages where people are warned about the idea of rulership because under that time, the Israelis were functioning under the judges. And the text there actually says, when they asked for a king from Samuel before he dies, he says, the manner was evil in the sight of Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And so Samuel prays to the Lord, and then he warns them about what a king will bring. He mm. says this practice of a king will reign over you. He will take your sons and put them in his chariots for himself and his horsemen, and run them before his chariots to appoint commanders. He will take the fruit of your fields. He will take your daughters, and on and on and on. And so he really makes quite the case against kingship. And we see this fulfilled later on in Second Samuel in chapter eleven, when we see that the very best king of the Israeli people, David, what does he do? He goes after Bathsheba, gets his husband to visit him, and says, "You're going to go out into the heat of the battle in the worst part of the battle, which of course kills Bathsheba's husband Uriah." So if this is the best that government can give us in kingship, it's not that good. Mm. And this theme goes throughout the Bible as Casey points out. And even when in the New Testament, when Christ is asked to comment on whether you pay the tax but the denarius, he says, you know, render unto Caesar, what is Caesar's after asking to see the coin. Casey points out that this is really a very elliptical response. It's not very direct. It's even a little bit tricky. As it comes out, even during the crucifixion, we see that one of the accusations against Christ was that he was preaching not to pay taxes. And this was not contravened by him in the text of just preceding the crucifixion. So there are problems. With this, and I'm not saying that this is a definitive proof that God doesn't institute authorities, because I can't speak for God. But there is every reason to believe that Romans chapter 13 is not open only to that interpretation. A, in fact, that you can completely sidestep that interpretation. So that's what I'm going to try to explain over here, and why we might say that. Let me just give a little context for people on because you yeah, have to
0: rent- Sorry, I wanted to pause that. Um, so okay, so so it brought up a myriad of issues that actually, I, I mean, I'm largely not. I'm not strictly disagreeing with him. Um, in fact, I think that's actually, uh, he, you know, I think that is a a good point that the, um, and I mean this in the neutral sense. I know libertarians use this word uh, too aggressively, but the statistic, uh, Christians, the ones who are pro state, um, in any way, um, tend to, yeah, they tend to, to elide, I think that's the right word. <laughs> uh, I think so. The the negative, pol- the the negative political text. I yes. I do think that we libertarians need to also acknowledge that there's also texts in Deuteronomy about kings, like the assumption of kings in in uh, Deuteronomy is there, and we can either take a liberal critical interpretation and uh who they would say well yeah that's because this is from later this is a a later amendation when they talk about you know later you're gonna have kings and this is what the king should do um but if 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 we're gonna take a conservative interpretation of the text which is the traditional interpretation of the text which is the increasingly uh the increasingly uh uh vindicated view of the text um then moses wrote it and wrote it before there was before for Samuel eight, um, and in some ways predicting for Samuel eight, um, in which case we have to figure out well what does King mean? Um, if it doesn't mean for Samuel eight, you know, what, what what is it talking about? Is he, is he not expecting, is he expecting that eventually it's going to happen? There's going to be a King. Is this a prophecy? Is it a, uh, or is it some kind of a, uh, institution saying that there is a need for a thing let's call it a king
1: um because one of the things that and of course it's entirely possible that this is the same way that moses gave provision for divorce he gave provision for kings so it's (laughs) not it it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the uh, the best possible it certainly doesn't mean it's the best possible form of government. It certainly doesn't mean it's the God endorsed form of government, mm. but it certainly means that, that there is provision being made <clears throat> for Kings. Yeah. I, you know, and cause I, I think,
0: yeah. Yeah. Like one one of the things that I remember pointing out in the book of judge, when we're talking about the book of judges, uh, the, the ending section is like, so what do they mean by King? Is an important question. Where does this. Where, when is it written. Is always an important question. Like historical context matters a lot. For interpretation. And if as I suggested. That maybe judges is written. Into the kingship of David. Um, that it's not just talking about. A, talking about a king. But the king. Um, the king David. Or the Davidic kingship. Um, which. Whole other thing. And so in that case. We could say okay so is there a story um is there maybe a tradition of calling the judges kings like like we, outside of the the book of judges and they rewrote the title to, to to distinguish it from the actual monarchy of Saul and then David like that's that's something that I like we don't we don't know and we have to we can kind of wonder about that and kind of um, speculate on that but we don't want to hang too much on that no, but could it be that i because I, I wondered if if maybe in the original story that they put in judges and and constructed it in such a way as to point to this i wondered if by king it meant judge and they just updated the language like there was no judge at that time and that's what what was really the problem there were no there was no leadership uh, ordained by god but I wonder sometimes. Sometimes I also wonder maybe it went the other direction, that actually judges were originally called kings, but they, um, but but they they use the language shift because remember, like um, even even already when we're talking about historic kingship, this is something that I always point out, especially to statist Christians, the kingship of David is not an absolute monarchy. It is, it is very much not because he talks about, you know, all of his enemies, right? His enemies who are working against him to undermine him. You don't do that in abs in an absolute monarchy, not even in something like a medieval monarchy like that, where they'd have to kind of do things subtly behind the, the, well, the scenes. And
1: the story makes it clear. Yeah. That he doesn't have that kind of. Yeah. And absolute monarchy. Type and of even
0: the fact that throughout the stories, the Kings have to purchase land. Like they're not allowed to just say, This is my land now. Um, you know, like that 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 shows that we're not actually dealing with the state. Because what can the state do? The state decides it wants your land. It takes your land. And right. and maybe like like a benevolent king, they'll offer they'll give you money after the fact. But is it gonna be as much as the land is worth? Is it gonna be uh but whatever but you don't have the choice whether or not you sell that land. Um and so we, we can acknowledge that King can shift meanings over time. And in fact, did. Um, but, but I think we, we need to make sure that this is a, a thing that we've always pushed on, on the show is we need to not as libertarian Christians overgo over, over correct. Because I think I actually was in a conversation about this uh, on Twitter today about rendering unto Caesar. And, and they made a comment about how, You know, it it was something about like, God never makes them pay tax or something like that or whatever. And I said, and if, and if he is, it doesn't justify taxation. This is something that actually, um, I probably should have brought up in our conversation with, uh, uh, Matt, uh, from uh, restless podcast, but, but I kind of just sort of let go, um, you know, you're, you're always trying to, you don't, you never want to be too combative with someone who is, is kind enough to come onto your show. And I, I was, I was debating if it would be too combative to come back from this, but, um, you know, I always say in the same way, um, that, um, when, when, when the Bible tells us to, to pay taxes, that does not justify taxation any more than when Jesus tells us to turn the other cheek, that justifies a slap. Right. And, and so we were talking about this render under Caesar uh, text which um, Lawrence Ludlow brings up in this um, and I uh, I have even said to some people some status Christians, hey you know that if Jesus is saying pay your taxes, he's falling for the trap like if it's as simple as him saying pay your taxes the the, the whole point of the the question is they're trying to trap him if he says pay your taxes' Then the Jewish populace is going to abandon him. Uh, there might even turn on him physically. And if he says, "Don't pay your taxes," then Rome is going to have problems with that. So it's kind of a trapping him by putting him in a, in an un- impossible situation. And so then, when he says, "Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and unto God what is God's," if he's simply saying, "Pay your taxes," then why would they respond? Why would they marvel in response? Like if he's just, he's just taking a side. The whole point is to trap him and they're marveling because he, he, he's, he skips the trap. but I'm going to say back to libertarians, but also if he says, don't pay taxes, he's equally falling and maybe worse falling for the trap because part of the trap is if he sticks with the crowds, uh, and, and with potentially the theological, the, the theologically correct position, potentially, um, then he's he's advocating rebellion against Rome, and they wouldn't have marvelled at him. They would have said, "Hear that? Here we go, boys! Ra- lock him up." He just advocated tax evasion. Come get him. And so I- I'm trying to say, like, to libertarians, like, okay, but if he's not saying pay your taxes, then he's equally falling into the trap. So the point of render unto Caesar that which is Caesar, and render God what is God's, is that he's. He's splitting the, the, uh, splitting the dichotomy, so to speak. He's, he's escaping the trap by saying simultaneously, yep, Caesar put his face on this, give him his face back, but also remind him that ultimately he is not Lord. Because on that, on that coin, it also said Caesar is Lord, and he's not. And so remind him who he really belongs to, who he belongs to. He is not supreme. And so Jesus is kind of splitting the, yeah, he's, he's avoiding the trap there, but we can't go too far as libertarians. I'm, I'm always big on that. I do think that the Bible tells us we're
1: supposed to pay our taxes. Well, and, and so I think, I think Larry went too far on this one because if you, if you listen to what he said, he said, Jesus is later accused of telling people not to pay their taxes. And you wouldn't find any evidence against that earlier in the book, mm. and uh, but so so first of all, for no reason whatsoever, foreshadowing. I want you to bear in mind that he's recognizing that later in the book, and by this by the book he's referring to, he means Luke. Um, uh, that later in later in Luke. Jesus is accused of telling people not to pay their taxes, and that he's perfectly com- comfortable realizing that it is taxes that they're talking about in that context. Oh, no reason what's no reason whatsoever. I just see. foreshadowing.
0: Hi, Janice, There um, you go. But yeah,
1: um, and and uh, <clears throat> um, so I want you to bear that in mind for maybe something we won't get to this episode, um, and then. <laughs> um but then also he said so he he just said um Jesus is accused of telling people not to pay their taxes and you won't find any evidence against that earlier in the book well no again if if you're right about that then he fell for the trap yeah the opposite way from the way yeah. people normally <laughs> because uh, that means that when they
0: start accusing him of that then because the, the whole point, because remember also, okay, good. That's a good point. Because remember the all, also part of the point of Jesus' execution is that he's innocent, and so if, if he's not innocent, because this would mean he's not innocent. If 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 Larry's right, and that he said that in render under Caesar, he's telling him don't pay your taxes. Well, this that is a, a that is a punishable offense. And part of the point of, in fact, this is the major point of the crucifixion story is that Jesus is simultaneously innocent of sin and he is innocent of the charges he's accused of. Yes. He did not um, invent. Eventually he's actually what he's crucified for is insurrection for being a king, an un, an unjustified king in the eyes of Rome, that he was a king that Rome had not set up. And if that is true, well, it's not true. He, that's not what he did. He didn't claim and take political power um, this time. Uh, but he will he will next time. but correct. but he but but yeah, he, he's innocent of all charges. he He suffered innocently, not only in the sense of he never committed sin, but also he never broke the law that he was accused of breaking the law. Um, Pilate unjustly puts him to death in every sense of the word. Yes. This, this isn't like we would say the law says you shouldn't have marijuana, but it's an unjust law. And so they get thrown in jail. And so were they sinning by having marijuana, you know, all, you know, setting aside whether or not breaking the law on a neutral issue is sin, setting that whole conversation aside, you know, would then, then would he be innocent of sin while guilty of breaking the law for having marijuana? You know, like that—that's—that's that's not what this is. We're saying he is innocent both of Roman law and of sin.
1: That was, which—that's kind of the point. Which is why, by the way, which—which which adds to the justice of uh, when when he's mocked, saying, "Um, he trusted in God, let him deliver him," and and if. And if he's the son of God, let him come down off the cross. Um, it, it just makes it so much more intense because not only, not only could he have done that, not only there's a sense in which he should have done that because there was utterly no sense in which the crucifixion was justified.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah that that so not only was the wrath being poured out on him mine not his so it's his wrath deserved to be poured out on me um not only is uh is he sinless and and does not deserve um, that wrath not only do I deserve and do all the people around <laughs> deserve um that wrath, but even the official charge um and I think that's one of the that's one of the when when Pilate writes King of the Jews instead of and the and the Jews say, well, it should say he said he was the king of the Jews and he says I've written what I've written. There's a sense in which Pilate against uh in spite of himself is is acting the prophet there. That that he can't even lay a charge on him that that isn't true of it. He is the king of the Jews. Mm-hmm. Um it is the only crime he committed. <laughs> um that he, he is completely and totally innocent. There there would have been Absolute justice in him coming down off that cross and and <laughs> exercising AD seventy right there, right then. Right? Like there would have been absolute justice in all of that. Mm-hmm. But he didn't to um to show the unbelievable. Um, the unbelievable extent to which he was willing to obey the father because mm-hmm. I think otherwise it would be hard for us to grasp because obedience to the father can't, comes so naturally to him it would have been hard for us to grasp the the depth and the importance of that except except in this extreme extent to which to to obey the father he has to endure this senseless Mm -hmm. injustice
0: yeah so yeah so um i'm trying to think if there's something else that he brought up though that um i might want to comment on uh I mean, I, I, I guess I don't disagree about that. One of the things, you know, one of the things he's talking about is the, the problem with, with rulership, but we find, yeah, I mean, there's, there's also this constant theme of empires of unjust empires, um, rising up and claiming authority where they, they haven't been given authority. Um, you know, and I think that's, uh, and while, and, and even, and even, I think this is a theme that, uh, that, uh, we as Calvinists find very interesting for the question of providence. Um, but I think is also useful for the question of kingship is, is the issue of God bringing these empires to conquer Israel and he decreeing it, but it being evil that they do it. And this, I think will, I think this does have something to say about what we, how we interpret Romans 13. Um, I don't know if he's going to bring that up, but I think even if we, Come around and say, these are political empires, political rulers. We are supposed to submit to them. We are supposed to, to, to submit. We are supposed to morally submit to them, but that does not mean that there's justification in their standing there might, or there might not. I'll just say you
1: will get another chance to make this point.
0: Okay, then let's keep (laughs) listening.
1: All right
2: under caesars i think that's a critical one and just to set people up again the religious authorities were trying to trap jesus I'm back explain over up. here and why we might say that let me just give a little context for people on that because you yeah, have the render under caesars i think that's a critical one and just to set people up again the religious authorities were trying to trap jesus they thought they had a thing where like, they didn't care what his answer was they just wanted to trap him and so they said rabbi is it lawful to pay taxes to rome and thinking, if he says yes, then the people, the Jewish people are gonna like, oh, he's not actually our liberator. He's not this revolutionary. He's telling us to pay taxes to this conquering army. So let us sell out. But if he says no, then they can go to the Romans and say, hey, this guy's saying don't pay taxes. Go take care of him. So they thought either way, it doesn't matter what he answers. And so yeah, he then very cleverly says, well, hold up the coin. Whose image is that? And they say, oh, Caesar's. And this is, okay, so give to Caesar's where Caesar's and give to God what is God's. And so, with that answer, who could object to that? Like, it's almost a tautology. Yeah, if give it to Caesar, was his, and give it to God, was God. No one could object to that. It sounds like he's saying, "Pay your taxes," but actually, he didn't say that. It's not clear what he means. And with the whole the Bitcoin, it, it's kind of like a diversion. It kind of sets you up. You know, it's a masterful answer. It's kind of like, "Well, yeah, if God became man. That's how you deal with that situation." Like, just brilliant and walks away. Everyone's kind of just dumbfounded. Like, we, what just happened? We thought we had a trap, and now he's walking away. We don't know what to do. We're like idiots. So, yeah, that clearly was not an unambiguous command from Jesus to pay your taxes every April fifteenth. It was a very ingenious way for him to get out of that trap they were trying to set for him. Yeah, it's also a little bit. Fun. I,
0: I guess, that is what we just talked about, and I would say I disagree slightly to say, I think he is telling us to pay our taxes. I think, I think we libertarians need to, uh, libertarian Christians. We need to be careful like anyone does of our biases. We have a bias against taxation. We believe it to be theft. I think correctly. Um, but, uh, so like, okay. Yeah. We don't talk about this a lot. We don't do the taxation stuff thing because it is kind of a meme and it is kind of silly, honestly, but, but it is, it is true. Uh, taxation is extortion It is, and, and I'll say that clearly, that's what it is. You're being threatened with a gun. If you do not give money to someone now, I think biblically we're supposed to comply with that threat. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't do whatever we can to avoid paying taxes. I think when I, you know, I think that's where Murray Rothbard's whole thing about like, you know, the problem with the tax with taxes, isn't all the loopholes. The problem is that there's not enough loopholes. We right. need to take, take advantage of every loophole we get. Um, this is why I started I, this. It's funny because for the longest time I was like one of those people being like, I mean, is it right to talk to report my charitable, my, my giving to the church on my tax? I mean, isn't that like giving with my right hand and telling my left hand what I'm giving? But after a while, I was like, no. It is right for me to avoid giving every single cent I can to the government. It is a good thing that I do that. And so it's not not me trying to show off to the government how much I've given. It's me trying to get back every cent I can. And I should do that. And also... This is a debate among pastors about whether or not we should take the religious exemption from uh, social security um, thing. People, some people are like, yeah, but is it a really a religious exemption? And I'm like, I don't care. They gave me an option to not pay taxes. I'm not going to pay taxes. Like, I, I don't care if it's really, an, I would say, yes, it is a religious objection. I uh, rest on the sixth commandment. Thank you very much. But I, I, <laughs> Or, fifth, uh, eighth commandment. Sorry, thank you for Six, two, I guess. But, but like, I because I know what they're doing with that money, they're murdering children in <laughs> other countries. But, like, but, but there's like, it is good to avoid taxes, and it is good to use every means we can to advocate lessening of taxes. And I even think it's not even a problem to say, like, if we try and fu- like taking advantage of tax shelters, uh, if it's legal, do it but when the government comes around asking for your money, I don't think it's just practically a good idea. I think it is actually a command to pay your taxes. Um, you know, not cheat and just give what what you owe. Um, and I, and I think that does come from scripture, not just render him to Caesar, but there. Um, and, and, and I think we, this is where I think libertarians, we really are letting our libertarian bias, get in the way of reading the clearing clear intention of scripture there's a i mean he, i mean, I know he's going to make the case that this is all based on a compliance approach but man they quoted RC Sproul at the top of the the show RC Sproul if you look at his whole body of work very small government he's yeah. he's the definition of a of an old school libertarian conservative like I've heard in his preaching through his Mark, when he reaches this, I think this text actually, um, when he reaches the render unto Caesar in his Mark sermon series, he makes the comment that if you're advocating for government policy, uh, you are advocating for the use of a gun. He says the government is a gun. And if you are advocating using the government to take from someone and give to you, then you are advocating for stealing. That's what R.C. Sproul said, the same guy who says that the government says that we're supposed to submit to, which again, I'm going to say, and maybe that's why we're reading a little too simplistically what the Christian tradition on Romans 13 is for one thing, correct. but also I'm going to say, uh, we need to be careful on every side of letting our biases get in the way. If we can conclude libertarianism from scripture, great. But most of the time we're wanting to find libertarianism in the scriptures. And and that's why i'm even saying I have a problem with saying the phrase standard libertarianism because I think even The pure stuff coming from rothbard and hoppa Is gonna need to be modified if it's going oh, to yeah. be christian Yes,
1: and 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 you made that point last time in this I very serious Yeah, I, so.
0: but I But 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 That said I think we need to I think yes it seems to me pretty clear like it seems very clear basic reading of that text that he's advocating in some sense pay your taxes. Like otherwise he would uh, that's that's not how you would answer the question to avo- to say don't pay your taxes. He says whose face is on this coin? It says render unto Caesar's. The the meaning is kind of plain. And and we can we cannot like that. But I think, and I think we can come up with an alternative explanation for that to say that there is like, this is where I would rather base our libertarianism on the 10 commandments say this applies to everyone, including governments. Governments cannot murder or steal either. Um, But, but we need to acknowledge the fact that like sometimes the Bible tells us to do, to make the best of a unjust situation. Turn the other cheek is I keep going to that one because it is a great
1: example. And 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 yes, the Bible has a lot to say about what to do with power too. And it doesn't say run a lot of taxes. Or any actually. Mm-hmm. Actually. Um uh so it never um uh one of one of so okay. Interestingly enough, he's talking about how David falls down on the job of being king. Yeah, Uriah yeah, a good one. Uriah is a good point. Yeah. What's the other big thing David does wrong? He takes a census. Uh-huh. uh-huh. You know why you took a census
0: yeah acts yep 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 that's a great point too that's a great point yeah we i mean yeah i think there's plenty of material there that we don't have to um try and get around what it seems to be clear but uh but then again
1: oh and sorry and if you're not in case someone's not familiar with this and an angel of the lord comes and wreaks havoc on the kingdom of israel because of david's sin. Yep. Yep. In yep. Conducting the census. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. That's great. Um, but then again, again, I'm open to him convincing me that I'm wrong about Romans 13. Um, so, so let's continue to hear him out.
2: Funny because you could even say, gee, if I have a bunch of Quakers command from Jesus to pay your taxes every April 15th, it was a very ingenious way for him to get out of that trap. they were trying to set for him.
3: Yeah, it's also a little bit funny because you could even say, gee, if I have a box of Quaker oats in my pantry and it has the picture of the Quaker on it, and somebody said, Hey, Larry, who owns that box of Quaker oats? And I pointed to the picture of the Quaker. I go, I guess he does. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And by the way, there's a great essay by Jeff Barr on the Mises site called Render unto Caesar. It's a fantastic explanation of the meaning of Jesus' response and what the coin picture would have meant at the time. I can't get into it here because it's a long argument, but I really, it's one of the best things I've seen written on it. It's just wonderful as far as the culture there. But yeah. So yeah, getting back into the argument.
0: Um, So I'm just making a note to self that we should probably look up that article and. Uh, read it sometime. That probably would be a really nice, a really good uh, article to respond to sometime for us.
1: Yeah, probably so. Um, I'll just say, I don't think it's equivalent to, um, I don't think that those are equivalent because uh, Caesar's face on the coin is not like a trademark. It's, it is his, It is his authentication that this belongs to him. That's the claim being made by the imprint of his face on the coin. So then, when you juxtapose that to and render unto God what is God's, Jesus is making a very clever point that you are stamped with God's image and God is claiming that he owns you.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's so so I don't I don't think that that's equivalent to the Quaker Oats box yeah and and it would make God's claim seem trivial <laughs> then uh, and now now I believe that Caesar is lying and God's telling the truth by yeah. the way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but um, but I think that is the point that Jesus is ingenious in, ingeniously making
0: yeah and I think- Um. there's, there's an interesting point about this too. Like if, if you're reading along with table talk magazine right now, um, uh, which you should, what's that? And who isn't and who isn't, you really should, you really should. It's honestly, it's kind of dirt cheap for, for the amount that you're, for the amount of good stuff you're getting out of it. Just, just going to say that. Um, and if your church isn't, uh, if you're, if you're, uh, if your church, like my church is, is, uh, orders in bulk, there's some really sweet deals for churches um, to get bulk orders of Table Talk, and you should take advantage of that. Just saying, um, but they're going through Luke, and one of the things they keep talking about is how you d- it's, you got to be careful not to overinterpret every detail of every parable. Like you, yes. got, you got to be really careful not to over de- overinterpret. Yeah. And in some sense, what is Jesus doing here? He's kind of using the coin as a parable. Yes. And so you also want to be careful about not over-interpreting what he's saying. Like going too far and saying like, okay, so so an imprint on a coin, does that necessarily make it his? Like, uh, Put it back into the context of the story. Say, be like, okay, what do I think he's saying? Say it on the simplest level possible because – a, a rabbi never teaches hoping, well, that's not true. <laughs> not never. Uh, sometimes he did. Uh, but, but in this circumstance, most of the time they do not speak in a way that they hope no one will understand them. Uh, some, okay. Sometimes Jesus just did speak in a way that he was hoping other people would misunderstand. Um, so I have to correct that. Uh, but I, I think you, you, we, we gotta be careful that we're not
1: over-interpreting every detail. Um, and, we, and, and the, yeah, the... It, rule number one for parables that have one point yeah. usually yeah. not multiple. So if, if your interpretation requires multiple points, you probably misread it.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think you're probably right that the image image is, is what matters image and ownership is what he's clearly getting at. And I think, I think, yeah, that's, that's the big, that's the big point. And I think that is where he split the dilemma where he said, he's neither saying taxation is justified uh, wholeheartedly like he's not saying you know rome is fully justified in in claiming every gold coin but also saying um also avoiding saying yeah just stop paying your taxes it's cool um because yeah again neither would have been a good option um let's keep going We're, we're making some pretty good time i think we can get a few more minutes
3: the coin picture would have meant at the time. I can't get into it here because it's a long argument, but I really, it's one of the best things I've seen written on it. It's just wonderful as far as the culture there. But yeah, so yeah, getting back into the argument here. So at St. Paul's time, Casey also points out that there's nothing explicit in Romans 12 and 13 to support the claim that Paul is blessing authority. In fact, he talks about the outrages of secular authorities, the martyrdom of Paul himself in Rome, of Peter crucified upside down in Rome, the killing of John the Baptist, the slaughter of the innocents in Bethlehem, the crucifixion of Jesus himself. And even points out that, I think Revelation 13, we see that the government has the mark of the beast. So government does not get a pass in the New Testament I'm not going to get into some of the weedy things like how much of the text in Romans 13 might've been interpolated there or salted by Paul to just ward off the idea that, yeah, we're too dangerous to be here, that Paul might've created this section just to allay the fears of Romans who think that they're up to no good. So I'm not going to get into that. I'd really like to just step right into the text itself. And what I'd like to do is point out that the translation that Bob just read in our standard translation as R.C. Sproul has, I think that a lot of that interpretation came out as a result of Christianity's becoming declared legal by Constantine with the Edict of Milan in 313. Because after that point, the church felt safe with authorities. They had to cooperate them. These hierarchies work together. Even though they're competing centers of powers throughout the Middle Ages, there's kind of a modus operandi they have amongst themselves. So I think that if Christianity were illegal again, I think we would see a change in the interpretation of Romans 13. So just to move. Forward.
0: Okay. Um I'm stopping here not because I want to cut off this conversation, but because I don't want to go too far that we get we we record too long of an episode. Um so that's I'm just noting that we stopped at 1418. Um just this is for Josh for editing Josh later. Um I I actually think, I'm going to be clear. I actually think um what we're talking about, I I do, I wouldn't blame Constantine for that. I actually kind of blame uh, the reformation the reformation's coziness uh sorry this the second generation reformation post-reformation's coziness um for that because remember king james bible the the king james version was or was appointed by king james however we also need to be open to the fact that nas if you want to learn
1: why go back and listen to whatever yesterday's episode um oh,
0: yeah there you go um <laughs> Because yes, you, uh he hasn't recorded yet, but he is gonna it's a it's gonna be a banger, I can tell you it. Um but but um but also like I, I wanna be clear when the NASB when <sighs> translation is a dance because in some ways you're trying to be accurate and in some ways you're trying to not be too weird. Because sometimes yeah. the weird <laughs> translations um, turn people off. Like I, I talk a lot about John three sixteen, and i say it's such a bummer that it's so well loved because it prevents us from, rec- from translating it correctly. Um, and that's because it's hard. You cannot get too far away from, um, the original translation of it, even though it has some problems, but I would also say the problems that it has are not present in the original translation. It's in the way that language is, has changed um, ah yes, and there is I would say there is a sense in which um calling the government the deacon of God uh or the minister of God is present in the that language of the original translation now I'm gonna say that I actually think there's probably a good point about that that the way you interpret and translate a verse is going to be. Um, is gonna the situation you're in is going to affect that, but I also think that like man that that right away that, the, the, is that the, the, that this idea that Constantine the minute Constantine made Christianity legal we started selling out to Caesar I I think that's a little bit of a
1: of an uncharitable view of fellow believers. I, well, and you know, and it I I'll, I'll say a little. It's garbage. Like the idea that these men who had resisted persecution for their entire lives are just going to sell out because he put a cross on his shield mm. or actually a Cairo. I think it was actually on a shield, not a, not a, yep. not a cross. But anyway, um, uh, if like the idea that the idea that they're, that they're going to sell out just because the emperor claims to be a Christian now. Um, These guys who had endured persecution their entire lives, who looked Caesar in the eye and said, Kyrios Christos, their entire lives, Mm -hmm. that they're just going to buckle because he says he's one of them now. Like as if they don't understand that there's such a thing as false believers, mm-hmm. you know the kind of false believers who've been turning them into the emperor yeah, for yeah, the last yeah, sixty yeah. years. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it's like I I just think like you have to I don't I don't understand how someone can can think through the kinds of people these men were, <laughs> having gone through all that, yeah. and then go. And so then they just, when a Christian emperor came along, they just completely changed everything they believe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I agree. And also like, I I guess I'm, I'm not sold on the Christian anarchist case for the pre-Constantinian Christians being anarchists. I'm just, I'm not sold on that. I think they were definitely, Critical of the government that was killing them. Sure, but I don't know that I'm convinced that they were all Christian. They were all Christian anarchists. Now that's not a problem for me because I'm also not convinced that they were all post millennial. <laughs> you know, like they're. I'm also not convinced that they were all Protestant. Uh, sola fides. I'm also not uh convinced that they were all. Credo Baptist. I'm. I'm not convinced that they were all Calvinists and. You know, like I, there, there's all kinds of things that I'm not convinced that they were all this way. Um, and I'm like, I'm okay with that because I think there is a sense in which, wh- why does God, I, this is where I, because I'm not pre-millennial, I am not premillennial, i do not believe that the further away from the first generation we get, uh, sorry, not dispensational premillennial, because I don't believe that every step away from the first generation we get, that it's getting worse. I think the reason, like why is God allowing us time um, is it, okay, yes, for the full number of the elect to come in. But also, I think it makes sense to think that God is allowing us time to, to think more deeply on his word and to construct uh, a better theology. I think there is a sense that we are kind of over time improving upon as we see the negative effects of older theological formulations. We can see that, okay, so this didn't work very well. Let's go back to the text. Let's ask questions of it. What, is it really saying what we thought it was saying back then? Take, for instance, uh, geocentrism. Or, uh, you know, like, is it really saying this thing that we thought it was saying? Well, no, I think we can say this: these were poetic language and we it was inappropriate for us to take it literally. You know, and, and there's things like that that I think... I don't have, I don't need the first generation of Christians to be Christian anarchists. But that does also mean that it's not necessarily true that they were all reading bias into it. They were all reading the same Bible we were, and they weren't concluding that we should overthrow the full government. That's not the conclusion that even those early persecuted Christians were coming to. They weren't coming to the conclusion that we should overthrow the government. In fact, in many ways, they're they're apologetic to the government. Was that's not what we want to do. Um. Now, that's that comes with a whole host of other questions. Whatever. Um. But but I think uh. This this idea, but but I do think that like, um. <clears throat> there is a temptation. That I think did happen in the formulations of the, the, the confessions that I love, the 1689 included, um, to say, because we are right now being protected, it is good to affirm their goodness and to their, their authority, um, But as I've said before, and this is a good—it's always good to update your resume. I actually argue that that is what is going on in Romans thirteen. That I—I I always make clear, you know, you know, he—he and he his comment to us, um, Lawrence Lohner, his comment to us, did comment on the fact that those verse, those chapter separations weren't there. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely, I am right there with him. Totally agree with him. Um, and, and we've argued a similar thing. But one of the things that I say, though, I always point out is, though, there is a clear separation between what we call chapter 11 and chapter 12, that that the case of most Pauline epistles, most not all, is they would move from a doctrinal re- reading to a application, um, which isn't to say that doctrine is not applicable applicable or application is not doctrinal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. But, but clearly there is a, a separation between what should we believe and therefore what should we do? And chapter 12 on is not what should we believe? It is what should we do? And so that's something that I've sometimes pointed out to status Christians that it is actually, I think inappropriate to lean too heavily on Romans 13 as our sole doctrinal formulation of the state because it is an application section and so even if so that that's part of why i say what i say that that even if romans 13 is saying all the things that statists say it is that is not the same thing as a theology of the state that needs to come from a doctrinal formulation of doctrinal formulations in scripture That that's a completely different thing. And one of the things that we've also argued on the show is that, um, Romans 13 calls us to submit to our authorities our governing authorities, um, which is the take that I take so far, maybe in the next, uh, 33 minutes, Lawrence will convince me otherwise. Um, but in, but even if it's telling us to submit to our governing authorities, one of the things that I always point out is it never tells us what kind of governing authorities. Like if it if it if it's stapled into time, that historical context saying we must go submit to the kind of authorities that are over us now, then we are failing because we are not living under an emperor. Which is why, he, by the he way. He glances which- uh significantly into the camera, but we are not officially living <laughs> under an empire. And so we are living under a democratic republic is already a failure to submit to Romans thirteen. If, if that is what's going on but it's saying we're supposed to to submit to our governing authorities and all we're saying is our governing authorities should be voluntarily or family based governing authorities that's that's all we're arguing as Christian anarchists those authorities you're supposed to submit to should be appointed voluntarily um that's that is they should be by the consent of the uh, community way,
1: if by a happy a a happy the- sense we beat up on the reformers a little, but this is where they had the insight about the uh, lower magistrate. Yes, the the uh, lesser magistrate. Yes, I think was the term that they used. Um, the uh, the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. Magistrate, you you have to submit to the governing authorities, but obviously for a Christian, if one governing authority says one thing and another governing authority says another thing, then which one do you do? Well, then. You exercise your Christian wisdom to follow the one that more closely aligns. Yes. With, <laughs> like, it's obvious. Yeah. It's obvious when you put it that way. And so yeah. that, and 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 then and then from that they drew an implied duty for the lesser magistrate to interpose on behalf of the people against tyranny. Yep. yep. Um, and and so that was their approach to it. Now this was. Um, And, and by the way, that, that theology was very important to the way both of our countries are constructed as, as, as countries with yours has more separation of powers than mine does. Um, And, uh, um, and, and mine actually has mostly done a little bit of job at uh, maintaining the uh, federalism um, uh, than yours has. Um, although some days we wonder, um, but, uh, so that was, but, but separation of powers and federalism were the, were the two main ideas that, that developed into, uh, North American, (laughs) the North American conception of, 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 uh, representative government, um, and and really, even the rights of Englishmen before it, mm-hmm. um, in many ways, um, and uh, and and so so that that was uh, uh, yeah, that was a critical idea for for the development of the uh, governments we're under. And uh, and importantly, um, is uh, d- does ultimately give you a hint towards. I mean, you just keep extending that out. You keep extending that same principle out. You're in happy anarchy pretty fast right so um so so that essential that essential insight that the reformers did get <laughs> that they were drawing from the text um does uh if you if you just keep applying that logic get you to something like copy and anarchy um so uh but yes certainly um certainly then these these same ideas as applied to okay if all these things are true <laughs> then what does what does a just government look like in these circumstances um that uh, is uh, is definitely room for uh, uh, for Christians to build upon. And by the way, I, I would say that's almost that's almost the opposite of of what we represented. Is that um, that Constantine. And but really not not really right away. but Constantine and then and then the supremacy of Christianity and and the the existence of Christian princes and and even emperors and so forth um, is what makes it is what makes it possible for Christians to think past, the just obey the authorities placed over you right so that so that I almost think it's I almost think it's the opposite that that um until there are until there is such a thing as a Christian prince then uh Romans 13 first Peter 3 <laughs> uh Luke 20 are all you need in a certain sense because there's no Christian prince to require any of the other kind of thinking within the Christian church. It's only once there is such a thing as a Christian prince and you get this like pretty quickly. I mean, it's obviously highly, highly developed in, uh, St. Augustine's, the city of God. Um, but, um, but once there, once there is a Christian prince, then you can start thinking about these other commands and these other warnings and these other the, this this other rich uh, input that the Bible has uh, to to think about. Okay, what else do I need to know? Um, so, so I almost think. I almost think that this interpretation is, is backwards. Like mm-hmm. what do you expect Christians under persecution? What political philosophy do you expect them to develop? Yeah. Other than the state kind of sucks and we need to obey it as much as we can anyway. Yeah. Like when we can't, when we can't yeah. obey it, when we can't obey it without sin, we need to do so. Um. But, but the state is a beast and a whore.
0: Yep. <laughs>
1: yep. Uh, like, Like, that's that's the theology you can develop. That's the only theology you need, by the way, under persecution. (laughs) Uh, Like, um, God very graciously (laughs) um, gave his people a lot of that as they were headed into persecution. This is our main series, the Revelation series. (laughs) Um, But but that's really all you need. What 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 other political philosophy do you need? Then when there are Christian princes, you need more. Yep. That's when it actually gets complicated. That's when it gets interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um I think we have We've done enough for one day. Um sure. we we are at least for a short while going to be back into more ordinary, um, schedule, uh, recording schedule. So we're hopefully not going to put too much distance between this and our next response, unless something comes up that we need to respond to right away. We're always open to that. Um, but we will come back to this. Um, and we're going to be, uh, starting up at, uh, 14 minutes and 18 seconds. Next time. Um, we are, uh, about a third of the way in, it looks like, or maybe a quarter of the way in. And, um, we're going to come back to this. Um, uh,
1: so, so by anonymous priest standard, we're, we're cooking with
0: gas. (laughs) Yes. Um, and, and Mr. Murphy and Ludlow, if this, uh, does come to you again, we have great appreciation for your political philosophy and economics. And, um, uh, we, but we want to make sure. Like ultimately what we are, we are not um what we are on the show, we we value cr- church history. We value the work of the Holy Spirit in the body of believers not only now but through history. Um but ultimately we are Bible guys. That's what we do on the show. Is we want uh, we don't want to know we we are Greek people. We are Hebrew. Yeah, I'm working on that, getting better at that, but um We value, uh, we, we want to say what Paul's saying. And, and so we want to make sure that we're not reading our own biases into it. And we need to be careful of that. Um, we are just as likely as the status Christians to start reading libertarianism where it isn't. Um, and that's part of the reason why we exist as a show is to say, Hey, anarchists, brothers, Let's be open to the fact that sometimes the Bible tells us a hard thing. Telling you to turn your cheek when you get slapped is a hard thing. Telling you to, um, telling you to, that you're blessed when others curse and revile you is a hard thing. Telling people to, um, submit to God's law is a hard thing when we have our sinful nature and telling us to submit to unjust governing authorities is a hard thing to hear, especially when you have been red pilled on this issue and you see how wicked that government really is. Um, It's a hard thing and we need to open, be open to the fact that maybe the Bible is calling us libertarians to do hard things when it comes to submitting to government and governmental authorities. Um, if all we're doing is sitting around here, justifying our own biases and finding ways that we can be as rebellious as we can be, then how are we better than the statists who are reading every single justification for everything the government does in the text? We're not, we need to be open to the fact that sometimes scripture is going to tell us, Hey, you know, that state that is wicked, that is a beast and a whore submit to it. It might possibly be saying that in the same way that it's saying, Hey, you know, the guy who just hit you offer him the other cheek. So that's all we're saying. We're going to continue to hear you out. I'm open to being wrong. I'm always open to being wrong, especially on this issue. I'm cool with being wrong. I'd like to be wrong. Uh, I'd like to hear that. I don't have to submit to the government. I still will CIA and FBI had to say whoever's listening to us. I still will. But it'd be great repent to know that I had the, gospel, the option not we to a
1: What'd you say? I said repent and believe the gospel, but we are going to a <laughs>
0: That's right. But it'd be nice to know that I have the option otherwise. So, um <laughs> uh let's see. Uh we're, we're we're we hope you keep uh you enjoy this episode and uh like subscribe five star rating. Um you know, uh, uh, you know, su- submit to your al- our algorithmic governing authority by by doing all the things that makes it happy and gets us out there. Mm-hmm. I've been looking at, I, I took a look at our analytics, and while we are still an aggressively small podcast, we seem to be picking up a little bit of steam. And so, if you can do whatever you can to help that forward, and and things like things like commenting on the video. If even if you're not watching it on YouTube, if you just, if you're listening to it and you just want to pop over and leave a short comment, even all it says is good job guys. Um, that really helps us. And, uh, we would appreciate it
1: for a surprising number of you. Even if all you say is good day, mate,
0: <laughs> that's right. We have a surprising number of Australians listening to our podcast. Unless <laughs> y'all are using really, uh, weird, um, uh, what you call it, uh, ip confusers um yeah. i don't know what what is it called oh whatever i don't even care um VPNs. that's a VPN. uh yeah um yeah <laughs> but uh but yeah if you just want to pop in say say hey and if you want to leave your um
1: more aggressive critiques I'll- for email australians by the way you especially should go to uh com slash flyover and pay one dollar a month because these are actually normal human times that we record at for you. It's in true. Australia. <laughs> it's
0: true. If you want to watch our live streams, you can be on it. It'll be a not an abnormal time for you. Uh, you are one of the few people in the world who can watch it on your lunch break. Um,
1: and <laughs> Uh, and you lunch, can you can watch it on your lunch break. You can come back for tea time. Um <laughs> we'll still be going.
0: Um uh, but also uh yeah, send us an email if you if you if you think we're being unfair or if you think we need to consider some other option some other alternatives some other way of thinking. Um we're open to that. Um you can also I we we haven't brought this up for a while, but if you if you want to request a topic, you can do that by going to slash flyover $5 you can um, buy a topic, uh, pay, pay us to, to do a topic. Um, and if you're, if you do that, you're supporting the show by giving me more time to do it. Um, that's one of our goals hopefully is that, um, if we can get enough of you guys supporting us that I might get to a point where I can start putting more time into this. Cause there's other things that we'd really like to do like clips, um, that I, I know I hate that shorts exist. Uh, but you know what? Seems like I just need to get with the time and start putting them out there. In case it gets turned turned
1: into a short later. Um, <laughs> and, hi, shorts folks. Yeah, I thought you were <laughs> going to
0: show me that you're wearing shorts.
1: Um, but, uh, no. no. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. That's um, all, that that's only for the paid subscribers. <laughs>
0: um, but also, um, yeah, make sure. Uh, yeah, but if you, but yeah, you get to be part of our Discord channel and watch us live. It's pretty great. Um, and, uh, yeah, but most importantly, make sure that you join us again next week when we take anarchy to church here on the anarchist Bible study, grace and peace, grace and peace.